Super Talk Mississippi media production. Joining me now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, Mike Golick Jr. He is a color commentator for ESPN. You know who Mike Golick Jr. is. I don't. I don't need to go through the 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 the, the, the curriculum with him. Mike, you'll be on the call this week, and you'll be in Starkville uh, for the first. Just first question, man. Are you ready to hear cowbells? I'm excited for this one. It's one of those things where I think. I'm always excited to get to travel around, especially to places that I didn't get to play as a player. But now, after last year, where we had to call these games from studios here in Bristol and remote setups, I'm like a newborn baby where I just want the sensory overload of every situation. So, yes, please, crank the cowbells up till 11. Let's do this. I don't think you'll have to, uh, to ask too many people to do it. Uh, <laughs> you've obviously had a chance to look at some film. You saw Mississippi State and the way they, they won on Saturday. Just your initial impressions of the Bulldogs in that, in that win. Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, I think everyone's going to come away from week one kind of able to explain away however they won. You know, NC State on the other side is going to say we went out and executed. We beat an opponent like we're supposed to. If you're Mike Leach and this Mississippi State uh, outfit, you can already say, well, we managed to overcome adversity in week one. Did you want to be down that much going into the fourth quarter? No, but what you saw out of that and what you can pull up if you're the coaching staff going into this week is – hey, Will Rogers, our quarterback, was perfect when we needed him to be in that fourth quarter operating this offense. The defense that gave up a lot of big plays, too many big chunk yardage plays in the beginning of this game when you were getting down, the things we did carelessly with the football, we were able to overcome that. And so now just imagine what we can be like if we iron out some of those mistakes that were, you know, guys being in the same gap at the same time on defense or not having their eyes in the right spot or, you know, Will Rogers just not, you know, being mindful enough with the football in a couple of these instances. So I think you could take a lot of good away from those situations as everyone kind of does the self-scout week one to week two. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, and I was glad that you, you were on the call for this, as a former offensive lineman, State's yeah. offensive line has just been you know, a, 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 an issue, and that's probably putting it kindly, uh, since Mike Leach took, uh, took over. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the way these guys were recruited to re- run systems that were really run heavy, and now they're, they're asked to pass protect. 50-plus times a game, but for whatever reason, it hasn't really clicked. I want to talk about the splits. That's the, that's what everybody points to, the yeah. wide splits. Explain to the listeners and, and some people who don't understand what splits are, why wide splits are so important in this system, and is that something that can be changed? Can they narrow their splits down and still be an effective offense? So splits, essentially, for everyone when you're watching, like an O-lineman, when you grow up and when you start playing the position, you learn first your stance, getting down and getting comfortable with that. And then the second in every offense is how far am I supposed to be from my neighbor? So the center obviously gets up over the ball. And then in a normal offense, you're looking and you're learning to eyeball. All right, a lot of places when I played, it was foot, foot and a half split. Mm -hmm. And so that's just the distance from, you know, if I'm playing guard, I want a foot and a half between me and the center. I want a foot and a half between me and the tackle. And most places how that operates is, all right, if I'm going to run a certain play where I'm working with the center, and let's say we're running an outside zone play away from the two of us, I would, in a lot of offenses, have the ability to cut down my split. So I move down the distance I've got to go to work in combination. When you look at Mike Leach historically, he was one of the guys in this air raid as we talk about him and how mummy growing this thing. Mike Leach was one of the guys that said, we're going to spread these guys out three feet apart. We're going to put them way farther apart than anyone else because in his mind, in this offense, it's about time, space, and giving your quarterback information. 
And one of the ways you can do that for teams that are going to try and heat you up and disrupt is when you move the splits as far apart, it clears up the picture for the quarterback and most normal downs of distance. He's going to be able to see, all right, is a D-line giving away that they're going to try and do you know twists and games up front? Are the linebackers starting to peek down like they're going to try and blitz and shoot through these gaps? And so those are all things that in Mike Leach's version of the air raid have been pretty non-negotiable. You go back to all his time at Washington State, even when you had quality guys like Andre Dillard, an offensive lineman in this offense has to kind of be able to operate on an island a little more than most. The rest of us, I've always said for offensive line, it's the art of understanding where to give and receive help. Mm-hmm. In this offense, it's you're put on an island, which can help. It can give you angles to work with. But as we saw, and there are you know, some concessions. It's not always black and white, but you saw in this last game against La Tech, when they went up with these light fronts, when they had you know two, three D linemen on the field and a bunch of small bodies, Leach called a bunch of runs or checked to a bunch of runs in this offense. And you saw these guys get to what comes natural from, like you mentioned, get some of these double teams in there. So I don't think it's going away. I think there's an adjustment period. And I think this is one of the areas year one to year two, full off season to work with, full complement of all the things that we've talked about coming outside of the pandemic that end up benefiting you a lot as the group up front, trying to do something that's very foreign to a lot of guys initially. So when you see State's offensive line, you see problems that can be fixed. I do. I, I just, you know, it's, listen, put it this way, it's a system foreign to me as an offensive lineman. I was always a guy that needed help on either side of me, but it, it's, I think, less problems that need to be fixed and more just understanding, all right, these are the parameters of what we got to deal with here. We know what's going to be asked of us. You're going to average, I mean, last year they were first in passing attempts in FBS football. They were number one at just over 50 a game. So you know that's going to be expected of you. You know with the screen game, you're going to get some help there. With the running back swing passes, you're going to get some alleviation, some quick balls out. But it's still an adjustment period of, all right, I got to reset my mentality of I got to operate on my island. And then when I get a few chances to go out there and whoop somebody in a double team, I got to make sure they count. And I thought that was one of the things that State's offensive line week one took advantage of. When they had opportunities to go out there and tee off, there's no lineman in this offense. It's like throwing a dog a bone, and these guys took advantage of that. Let's sort of turn the page over and look at uh, at, at NC State. What were your first thoughts on them? Because to me, when I see a good team play a bad team, the good team should win big. That's exactly what happened on Thursday. Yeah, it's exactly what happened. And I look at this team, and I see a quarterback that can certainly elevate them, right? I think when you look at Leary and what he's been able to do for them under center, what this team looked like when he was out of the game last season, it's a marked difference for Dave Dorn and this squad. So other than that, I, I think, and we were just talking about the O-line as I was kind of looking at this game, what would scare me and what we saw at times for State against La Tech originally was, all right, some of those guys were getting home up front. Some of those guys were able to win those matchups. And when you throw twists and stunts when you're backed up in the red zone, when there's less time to process, now you had real issues. I don't think NC State's got a guy that jumps off to me right away as a dynamic pass rusher that I'd be super, super afraid of in that regard. Like, these aren't the NC State teams of a few years ago that put seven pros into the draft, the bulk of which were in that front seven. And so I, I think on that side of the ball defensively, I feel a little better about things. It's always this interesting chess match of, all right, for every D coordinator coming in, how much are you going to hug the stuff that you do, which NC State would probably play a little bit more, man, than I'd imagine we're going to see versus what everyone has to do against Mike Leach 
sit back, kind of try and be patient. And sometimes maybe that, you know, gets a coordinator feeling a little bit antsy. Maybe you try and do a little bit too much. Um, but for state offensively, I think they're going to get more of those zone looks they're used to. And on the other side, this is an offense for NC State that wants to beat you up up front. We know this defense, what they want to do, so much of it based in what we've seen from Rocky Long's outfit in San Diego State for years. They want to create some chaos up front. What NC State does well on the other side for that is they got a big, bad group of dudes up front on that offensive line, especially that left side, who have been running zone blocking for years, which can be an antidote for a lot of that movement up front. So I think that's the exciting matchup against the pro quarterback. I mean, what a great secondary you've got at State. A couple of you know young guys, especially, that paid dividends last year. But to me, it's going to be about that matchup up front for Mississippi State. Can they use some of these disguises, create that chaos with the way they want to move bodies around at the linebacker level to knock off what is the strength of this NC State team, which is their O-line up front? Yeah, that's the matchup I wanted to focus on next. You know, 293 yards rushing last week. Uh, for NC State, 7.3 yards per carry. I don't expect them to average that, but do you think this NC State offense can be successful running the football against Mississippi State's defense? I think so. It's a lot of – and again, this is just me as someone who – I came up in zone blocking schemes. I believe they're an antidote for a lot of things. And so when I see Mississippi State's version of this, you know, 3-3-5 move-around defense that they've got here, I say – Let's, let's zone the hell out of them. You guys want to move bodies around up front. I'm going to let that group, especially when you can spell two backs like this, when you've got Bam Knight, when you've got Ricky Person in that backfield that can kind of now split carries between the two, keep them fresh. I want to really try and wear them out. and Not necessarily go total ball control, but I don't think NC State's receiving core outside of maybe one guy is super threatening. And so kind of like what Mississippi State does where – I want to operate in the intermediate to open up the stuff downfield. If you're NC State, you have to be able to beat them up in the box. That is where your physical strength advantage lies, and it's what's going to open up some of these shots that they want to take for Larry. Bill Connolly from ESPN had this as, a, as the over-under on this one was 55 points. So a low-scoring game is, is what he's projecting. He's got NC State winning it. Of course, Vegas has them as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Just looking at some of these two offenses, do you think this is a low-scoring game, or can these two teams crank it up and get into the 30s or 40s? I think especially early in the season, we've seen – I think I, I pulled this from ESPN Stats and Info, and I, I, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but this is on pace to be the third – or this was the third lowest average scoring output for a first game. So whether it was week one or week zero – in the last 15 years, like offenses are behind the eight ball. And whether that's because, you know, defense is generally ahead of offense to start seasons, whether the super seniors have benefited that side of the ball more, I'm not sure how to explain it, but I think offense is going to take a little bit. We'll see that jump from week one to week two. But I think for these offenses without maybe, you know, a super dynamic playmaker on either side, again, I think NC state's best playmakers are in their backfield. I think for, you know, uh, for state, it's always about spreading the ball around in this offense. You know, you've got some talented guys. I like Calvin and that wide receiver group. We saw him on some of those screens able to be yard after the catch guy, the way this offense dictates. But I still would probably imagine this is a tighter game because while state is certainly going to average throwing the ball a lot, it's more of a ball control offense. They're going to try and eat up clock in that ways as these guys take advantage of these spots and zones. So I would imagine lower scoring outfit. We will see on Saturday night. Mike will be on the call with Anna Schroff 
uh, in Davis Wade Stadium. I know you're excited to be traveling again and getting away from remote broadcasts, and as are the fans, I promise you that. Thanks so much for joining me here today on the podcast, man. Really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me, Brian. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.